Loving God, may the gift of new life be born in us. Amen. Please be seated. Not long after my wife Monica and I had welcomed our first child into the world, we chose to attend an early childhood fair in Golden Gate Park, near to where we lived in San Francisco. I have no idea now what we possibly could have hoped to have gained from attending such an event. (laughs) We barely knew how to put together coherent and complete sentences, coping as we were with the sleep deprivation and utter reorientation of our lives that this new child had gifted us with. Why newborns don't come with operating instructions, I'll never know. As he wandered around the exhibition hall and picked up a mound of literature on attachment parenting, the modern family, baby sign language, and planning for college from the crib, we found our way into a conversation with a local preschool director. Our oldest couldn't have been more than three months old, yet as we chatted to the lady behind the desk, a grave look of concern spread across her face as she discovered that we were not on the list. Do you mean to say that you are not signed up? Her tone was similar to how I imagined she would have addressed a soldier going into battle dressed only in flip-flops and a (laughs) t-shirt. Well, no, we're, we're just curious to learn more about what might be on offer in the city, I offered meekly, suddenly feeling a thousand pairs of parenting eyes turn upon me. It can't be done, she retorted, rather too swiftly for my liking, not possible, If you haven't got your child on the waiting list for preschool from the time when you are thinking you might try for a baby, it's just too late. (laughs) It was all I could do not to ask her which planet she came from. But instead, I smiled, thanked her, and walked away as Monarch and and I silently cried into our baby Bjorn, asking God for forgiveness And wondering how we could have been so foolish as to have had a child without finalizing their retirement options first. (laughs) I exaggerate. But if you are a parent of young children here today, you will know that I exaggerate only a little. If there's ever been an era in childrearing where more truly is less, then it is now. Just take a walk down the parenting aisle in any major bookstore or check out the number of followers mum and dad bloggers, tweeters and Instagrammers have online and it will boggle your minds. Parents today, especially mothers and working parents, are expected to be and do it all. Consummate professionals in their working lives, tech-savvy, emotionally intelligent, non helicopter parents at home who will ensure that their progeny not only enter the Ivy League school of their choice, but will also have started their own nonprofit, found a cure for at least one deadly disease and still be humble, well-balanced and polite young adults when the gauntlet of childhood is all over. The point is, is that there is so much apparent wisdom out there for the living of our lives especially 
our younger lives, then it can be hard to know where to ground ourselves. Timely, then, that this is exactly our business here today. To recall for one another the ground upon which our feet stand, the ground of all being, as theologian Paul Tillich calls it, the ground of the divine that was so spiritually hot that Moses took off his sandals just to feel it on the soles of his feet. Holy ground, God's ground, and yours too. Baptism is a homing beacon in the life of faith, a way for us to find our way back to that holy ground of God that is actually beneath us and within us everywhere we go. Yet such truths can be hard to bring to mind, especially as we guide brand new lives into today's wild ride of a world. So my encouragement to each of you who bring children to be baptized here today is to remember in the years to come that at the beginning of your child's journey to adulthood, you made a choice to baptize them in the name of an extraordinary and unrelenting love. In doing so, you offer these children a promissory note that says to them for the rest of their lives that they are of infinite value and that nothing that the world may say to them or score them as or ask them to believe about themselves will ever be able to negate the truth that they are the beloved of God. Remember whose you are. Recall that you are of infinite value. These are in so many ways our marching orders as followers of Jesus Christ And behind all of the apocalyptic gusto, this is also what Zephaniah's prophetic word is trying to get at as we hear it in our first reading this morning. In the midst of his rather graphic descriptions of what God's judgment visited upon his people will look like, their blood poured out like dust, their flesh like dung, is the prophet's desire for us to see one another as we are meant to be seen. For the divine condemnation that Zephaniah proclaims is grounded in the human failure to see one another rightly. Rather than being ordered upon God's vision for human flourishing, where each is afforded an opportunity to thrive, the common life of the people have become distorted by a profoundly skewed economic system where the very wealthiest took the gain and held the power while the majority suffered and wanted in their wake. Why does Zephaniah's ancient prophetic critique matter to us today? It matters because we are here at the beginning of the public life of faith that these children will share with all the baptized The words of our baptism liturgy instruct us that for followers of Jesus, all human life is of dignity. For every human person, we are called to see Christ himself. And oriented as we are in baptism to our fellow human being, the walk with Christ has no neutral place to stand in relation to the world. As Christians, the world's business is our business. Sex trafficking, 
domestic violence, child labor, the global slave trade, the new slavery of incarcerated labor, the denigration of women, corporate greed, our addiction to violence, our addiction to money is all our business. As the former Archbishop of Cape Town, Desmond Tutu, once said, when people tell me that religion and politics should not mix, I simply ask them which Bible they have been reading. (laughs) Baptism is the church's original political act. And the ministry of the baptized is the church's ancient political activism. God so loved the world, so must we. Yet such a love is not easy. It is not offered without a cost and we will fail to give our love to the world unless we can thoroughly plant ourselves within the holy ground that baptism draws us nearer to. So stop today. Pause at the baptismal waters. We will soon stir on behalf of these children and look again at the hope which is also yours. To be baptized is to be grounded in Christ, to find our belonging not in the night of the world's despair, but in the day of God's love, offered as it is at the heart of the world's needs and hopes. As Paul writes to his Christ followers in Thessalonica, our calling is to belong to the day, to put on the armor not of our own power, but of God the breastplate of faith and love, a helmet, the hope of salvation. Likewise, Matthew's parable of the talents urges us to ground ourselves in Christ. For masters and their treasures are capricious, and such treasure is fleeting anyway. Whatever is entrusted to us in this life is meant for the light of day, planted in the holy ground of God. So here we are, ready to get these beloved children of God wet in the waters of the Spirit. We will gather with them within those waters of God's loving purposes. For there is a world beyond these walls that needs us to dare boldly for the sake of God's unlikely kingdom of grace and forgiveness. It's the broadest land that the feet of your children will ever walk upon, and within it there is room for us all. Trust in the truth that is set before you. You are loved from the beginning to the end of everything, and so are each of these precious, fragile young lives. Teach them that. Teach one another, that we are gods bathed in the waters of eternal life.